You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast that explores the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. You can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter at TheBatmanBC for upcoming episodes, new episodes, and even some giveaways. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan, Lauer spelled like lower. The Batman Book Club is also a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. Go to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com for a whole list of other shows that share nerdy interests that we all like to frolic about. You can also write into the Batman Book Club at TheBatmanBC at gmail.com for questions or comments or uh, you just want to celebrate Batman. Sure, why not? I'll read it. I love talking Batman, obviously. And lastly, you can rate and review the show in the description of this episode. There is a link to Apple Podcasts where you can help write a review. It helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. As you can see in the title of this episode, we're going to talk about hush. So we're not going to be quiet. Um, we're going to gush. We're going to speak loudly about this book, this fan favorite story. It was not my choosing, but not because I don't like it. It's because my guest is returning and this was one that he wanted. He called long ago. And it is, he is Chris Balga from the World's Finest True Believers podcast. Coming back for a second time. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how y'all doing? Great, great, wonderful. Woo! Exactly. Yeah. Everybody, Woo! Yes, everybody listening. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Um, been a long time, but you know, you say, "Hey, you want to come back on?" and it involves Batman. I'm there. Yeah, there we have an endless amount of books to to choose from. You were you were on uh, back in episode six, I believe, for the Black Mirror. Well, this seems so long ago, and yet that was only like six months. 2020. What can 20, I, 2020. What, what can we say? <laughs> <laughs> Everything yeah. either goes fast or very slow. The, the longest year in the history of uh, mankind. But I'm. Uh, it was fun having you on before. You've allowed me to be on your show a couple times. And instantly when we were done recording, I said, hey, you let me know if you want to come back on and you want to pick a story. And you said yes and hush. So mm-hmm. hush. Let's get into it in a second. First I always like to ask, last time you shared what your favorite Batman story is. Mm -hmm. So now, instead of rehashing that, has there been any kind of Batman stories you've been reading lately? Uh, There have been stories and story. I finally, the the collected edition of Curse of the White Knight came out, and that was my first time reading it. And I love it even more than the first one. And wow! All so right. It, I think it just took it to a whole new level, and it, it's definitely on my top top list. Um, and then I am doing a reread of the Tom King uh, Batman r- run. Um, the reason for that is I stopped at the wedding, and I, I, I've said it before. I, I'm a, I'm a trade writer. I know what happened, so nothing. I, I mm-hmm. know how it goes, but I haven't personally read it. Um, so once it got to the wedding, I. You know, I kind of waited it out and then heard him ending the run. So I said, OK, I'm going to wait till his run is ended. Everything's collected. And so now I am through uh, 
the uh, War of Jokes and Riddles. So again, I've read all through the wedding, but I'd want to read it kind of all the way through to kind of make a final assessment on Tom King's run as the writer of Batman. Well, to comment on Curse of the White Knight, it's funny because I bought that hardcover also as soon as it became available. I covered it for Batman on film as each issue came out. Loved it. But of course, it's always like, well, let's revisit this story now collected where I can sit down and just blast through it and see how it holds up. And yeah, I think I liked it better in the trade or in the hardcover than I did each issue by issue. Oh, I just yeah. finished rereading that. Uh, yeah. What a Sean Murphy. I can't wait. Like now he's his wife is writing the Harley Quinn spinoff mm-hmm. and um, that's been really fun. And then he's definitely before he left Twitter, I think he did on Instagram too. He teased that his third volume is going to be Batman beyond. Yes. So I'm he, very excited to see what he does with that. He talked about when um we, we covered uh, uh, Batman white Knight on world's finest true believers uh, with Greg uh-huh. uh, at the end, I found a, a sci-fi article reflecting on, on what the, his, his next steps of what he was doing. And basically DC has given him the, the keys to create his own Murphy verse with these characters. And so, yes, yeah. he gave a very not so subtle hint that the next volume will be uh, a Batman beyond kind of idea. He's, mm-hmm. I know right now he's currently in the middle of his Indiegogo uh, project plot holes, which I backed um, because he wanted a break uh, just before he dives back mm-hmm. into that. And so, but yeah, sell me on that. His art, his writing, it's, he, he's top notch. Yep. He isn't, he's an A lister, which he, his, his work before white Knight was cool as it was, but I mean, the white Knight stuff just really just took him over the top. And so he's one now of like, Hey, what are you up to? I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm in. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> exactly. And quickly. Quickly, so you read up to Catwoman. So Tom King, whew, he is, man, I, I mean, I maybe I'm, I shouldn't say this, but he's almost like a Zack Snyder of comic books in like the names thrown out there and then both sides just come together and just go at it. You know what I mean? And I, 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 I don't I mean, really understand why there's so much passion from both sides uh, when it well, comes to his Batman run. Well, I think it it one is Batman. I mean, we're you yeah, sort of pa- you're passionate about the character. I'm passionate about the character and that's I think there's nothing wrong with having passion for the character and I am fully aware and I'm not saying I love everything he's done with the character through what I've read, but I wanted to give it this full full run shot instead of kind of mm-hmm. waiting at that point to kind of make a final assessment for myself. I I think in my personal opinion right now, he he excels when it comes to mini series like vision, Mr. Miracle. Um, uh-huh. You know, though he seems to do really, really well when it comes to kind of like you have X amount of issues to do instead of doing a big run. I'm not saying he doesn't have great runs that have done that. that I'm just saying in recent memory, that's been kind of where I've seen the accolades and, and yeah. the, and Batman has been, it was divisive and, you know, I've always said, it, I've said it on my show, I've said it on other people. Guess what? You don't like it? You've got 20 other thousand issues to read through, <laughs> or excuse me, over a thousand in de- detective at that point and other, and other issues that you can read that no one will ever take that away from you. It's okay. You do not have to like all the writers. That's, it's funny. Yeah, because 
And we've all done it. And I, I'll just speak for myself of like, mm-hmm. of course, I've get sometimes I've jumped in on something and I'm like, I didn't enjoy that. But I try to not just be like an idiot. Of just Yeah, they're stupid. They're dumb with whatever <laughs> something that I didn't like. It's like give some kind of valid, you know, like, hey, oh, yeah. I put some thought behind this. I didn't enjoy this. But like it is so much easier to just like keep scrolling or to just put a book down and grab one you like if you don't like something. So it's kind of funny of like. Yeah, you know, I didn't care for that. So, eh, whatever. Now, when it comes to Tom King, spoiler alert, I did like his run. The okay. a section you had not gotten to, um, which you and I, we talk outside of podcasting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we can we can address whenever you get to a certain point where I a little like, eh. But overall with the run, it's, it's almost like it's classic music in a sense. They're classic rock of, it's a little more mellow i think is storytelling in which a friend of mine it even said it's like tom king loves to talk a lot without saying anything and i'm Mm. like it's a very valid criticism interesting i do i i get that so but i'm a fan um so far with with whatever you've um read of his batman what's your how do you feel are you positive middle of the road maybe Uh, a little negative no i i think right now um i'm middle of the road um okay I, I know there are a couple of the after uh, jokes and riddles. I know the next two trades. I know when I first read them, I was not the biggest fan. It kind of dragged getting to the wedding at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, I did like the potential of what was happening with the wedding. And so now where I know kind of where it all ends up, I, I'm excited to see the journey and see if I feel the same way some people feel, which probably will happen in some ways. In other ways, I'll say, you know what? It's, more than likely, as my co-host on Marvel Alliance would say, uh, Travis Snell is saying, you know, it's still it's Batman. It's it's not the worst thing in the world. It's like pizza. It's still pizza. Yeah. It's not all pizza can be good in some way, shape, or form. It may not be the best, but it's still pizza. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's funny too is even though I like it, I'm not one of like this is the greatest Batman I've ever read. But if somebody doesn't like him, like. I I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm somewhat when it comes to Batman too. I'm not going to say I'm an apologist, but uh, I'm I can almost like something about anything Batman. I like Batman and Robin. Like I, <laughs> you do. And what is this podcast called? Superman it's, Love. <laughs> Superman Love Association. <laughs> uh, geez, the, uh, it, I because it's fun and it's ridiculous, and I'm like, this is just kind of stupid. And I showed it to the fiance this year while we were quarantining and we both laughed our butts off. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Like, and so I like it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I Let's get go you. To that. Let's go to that. Let's go that way. It is definitely the, the bottom of any Batman live action anime, anything. Like, <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> and we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll get there, but let's talk now. Let's have fun. Um, because I think since you chose it and I've already said it, that we're talking about Batman hush, a story that we both like and majority of Batman fans put on this, uh, this mantle of greatest Batman stories of all time. So when I asked you, if you'd like to come back and what story would you like to choose? What, what made you say hush? Uh, It was, you know, looking at all the, and you all, and you definitely covered a lot of ones I definitely would have chosen. In fact, some some of the ones when I saw you coming uh, had already been there. Darn it, I wanted that one too. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. So sorry. No, I think 
this holds a special place for me. I've always been a Batman fan since I was a kid, but um, as I kind of said on, on my show and on your show, I got back into comics re- in a big way in college. And this, I think, had either just wrapped up or I had kind of discovered discovered just after it, it, it had been collected. And just ever, I would hear about this. I would see about see all this stuff. And so when I read it, I was like, oh, my gosh, not just I mean, we're going to rave all up and down about Jim Lee's art, but it, it's a really it, it brought Batman into a new light to me outside of the just, you know, I'm a scary guy that dresses up and, you know, has these really cool villains sometimes that, you know, I'll eventually at the end, I'll end up beating them. So it, it, it <laughs> brought Batman to a different level and kind of I like a story where in, in, in when it comes to Batman that he he doesn't have all the answers and he and, and I like seeing him struggle a bit with trying to understand what is going on. And, and instead of him being the God complex that he can get out of everything. And I like seeing, I think that's one of my favorite parts about this of how introspective the story is when it comes to Bruce and his past. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. is definitely my first, and this is, this is, this was my first absolute edition I ever bought. And now I own 38, 38 absolute editions in total. (laughs) You're a madman. You're a madman. Chris. (laughs) And I, I, the two, I just, the two finally just came in were, were black mirror and Batman year one. So that was oh Black Mirror. You even said on your last episode you would, you had held off because you looked into the extras and stuff. And how happy are you now? No, I'm very happy because on both Atta of them, boy. I was really against getting Batman Year One because uh, mm-hmm. of, and then I started watching some more reviews on it, and I got both on a heck of a deal. So it was uh, too mm-hmm. good to pass up. So at that point, I'll I'll always praise the absolute formats, but. Yes, but yeah, this was my very first, and as I say, you never forget your first. That's right. Amen. Uh, This was, is it safe to say, hold on, let me rewind real quick. So my story with Hush was, um, I was in a high school, and I just started working, and I've told the story before, that's how I've stumbled upon The Long Halloween and Dark Victory and Haunted Night, the Loeb sales stories. Uh, In that same store... Once I found out that they had a gold mine in the back of these Batman stories, I kept going back there after every paycheck. And that's where I found a hardcover called Batman Hush Volume 2. And I said, I got to get it. It's Batman. And so then, unfortunately, I read the back half of this, of Hush without knowing what happened in the front half. And then I could never track this. This was before, you know, Amazon. could You could get everything and, you know, look it up in 12 seconds order or this bookstore, this bookstore. It was almost like you got to go on a hunt and find it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't find volume one for the longest time. And then I finally tracked that down and got the whole story complete. Uh, but it originally ran in the Batman title from issue 608 to 619. That was October of 2002 to September of 2003. As I just said, there are hardcover volumes and then also uh, soft cover volumes. And then there was uh, this new version and that new version of hardcovers, trade paperbacks, digital on DC Universe, soon to be D- DC Infinite. And as Chris just said, the absolute. My first absolute was The Long Halloween, how appropriate. But this was my second absolute edition that I ever bought. So which version did you read for uh, homework? 
Um, I read the intro and the kind of behind the scenes stuff within the absolute, but I did read Mm -hmm. this on DC universe just because sometimes it was later at night. I was Mm -hmm. not necessarily, I read, I read this awake, but you know, it was a long day, but I wanted to, I was really looking forward to reading this and I didn't want to have to wait yet another day in order to. read it so i just picked up dc universe and that way if i accidentally fall asleep i wouldn't accidentally rip a page because i would literally lose my mind over that (laughs) (laughs) that is and it's not and and it's not because the story would put me to sleep it was just i needed something to look forward to that day and this was what i was looking forward to do all day well you're also if you do you have an ipad yes i do so the difference between weight of an ipad and the absolute hush is uh, drastic. Oh, yes. so definitely <laughs> I I'm with you of like, cause I actually had one of those nights myself and I was like, I want to read this, but I don't want to hold it. Uh, you know what? Tomorrow I'll just read some more tomorrow. And then I read, I would just read something else on the iPad real quick before bed, but I busted open my absolute edition because an excitement I definitely get for episodes of this show is when we cover an absolute version and I get to go bust open my absolute. And I just, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love the absolute. And this is uh, a lovely absolute edition. I love the, as you just kind of commented on the, um, the opening conversation with Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee, and um, a couple others there within DC. Was it an editor? Um, Yep. Mm -hmm. I think. And then, and then in the back, there's a a bunch of, obviously that's in everything is sketches and alternate covers, not so much alternate cover, but two cool expanded the villains and the, and the heroes covers that we've seen so much now, as well as annotations from Jim Lee, which are always. Oh yeah. That, that, that is, this is why I buy physical in this way, these collected editions, because just like, blu-rays and physicals stuff and i know they're doing it more mm-hmm. with buying digital they're putting the special features on it that's what i look forward to that's why i buy collected editions like this because preach it, 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 because if it has absolutely nothing it's like i've got to really like the story to buy that collected edition if it has absolutely nothing but the story the story is great but i i strive yeah. for those little behind i mean my whole show is based on the yeah. <laughs> the idea of what what yeah. how the story came about so this is chock full of so many goodies well like what we kind of already said and what we alluded to the last time that you were on was how you didn't get the absolute edition of black mirror because it was like the exact same version of a hardcover which you already had and so i'm like well, yeah, I love absolutes. I didn't get the hardcover. I missed on the hardcover. So I don't have a copy with those bonuses. So I'm like, sure, absolute. But Chris, I totally get it. You've got the extras. Why do you need a double dip at a higher price for something if it's not giving you anything extra, especially when, you know, you and I are similar in that regard. If we want extras, show us how, (laughs) show us how it's made. I want to know. I love the stories and some of uh, those annotations I think are really fun, mm-hmm. especially of like how Jim Lee just kind of even says of like, he's staying up all night on a Sunday night because Monday morning is when he has to turn stuff in and he had to go print stuff, uh, it, you know, late at, I guess early morning in New York city. And the one place he went to, the guy said that like, you know, we can't do it unless you're, I think he's like a publisher, but then he recognized, Oh, you're Jim Lee. And so the Jim Lee even says of like, finally we're having like comic book, comic book street cred actually came into his favor and he got his stuff printed in time for hush. And so whoever that guy is, thank you. We all thank you for that. So yes. (laughs)
Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, we'll just, I don't think anybody listening to it has, there's, it would baffle me. I guess I don't come out every single episode and say, um, we're going to spoil the book. I just assume that people know because otherwise, how would you talk about it? But I mm-hmm. guess we're going to spoil Hush. We're going to spoil yes. it so hard. We're going to ruin everything about <laughs> yeah, Hush. Exactly. There's so much to spoil. So, so much. So guess what? Hush is Tommy Elliott. There you go. There's the spoiler. Boom. Let's go right to the end. It's but, not um, Jason Todd. <laughs> it's not. Uh, we can kind of. I mean, we can hit up, uh, let's go like linear or just some yeah. of your favorite highlights to the Tommy Elliott. Let's just start. There we go. Let's start with Tommy Elliott. Mm-hmm. So I can't, rem- I can't full out remember. However, I read the second half before the first half. So it's kind of like I had partially <laughs> because, because I had volume two for yeah. so long and I read it and then it's like, oh crap, I don't get what all this is. Okay. But I still kind of got it that. Oh, it's a Bruce's friend was killed. Oh, okay. Wait, he's actually hush. So when you read this, what, as much as you can remember, what was your impression of the introduction of this longtime friend, Thomas Elliott, that was new to Batman's uh, history? It, it, it always, I'm always the one in that says an, a new person introduced that's come out of nowhere that mm-hmm. they have got to be playing a bigger part than just, helping obviously repairing Bruce's broken body and it, yeah. <laughs> and, yep. and so it seemed to be more than just 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 a friend that he remembers that could that could have helped him and that and that's what that's where a lot of this whole story about introspection and Bruce and Bruce analyzing his past not only with Tommy but his own past and, and his future with with Catwoman and and his you know Nightwing and and, and Tim Drake Robin and just all his where does he where is this life he's leading mm-hmm. so yeah. I thought I thought uh, it was really I thought it was really cool how they did bring him in a character that obviously created for this story but I think when we see the turn at that point it makes it you start looking back it's almost like you go back saying okay what did I miss with this turn not because it came out of nowhere just because I buy it but I want to see if I missed something where I could have seen the hints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. The, so my only impression that I can kind of remember is just like, Oh, he, I didn't look that deep into, into the setup that of the Joker killed Tommy Elliott. Uh, even though it clearly has a gun that shows bang Joker's history. He has a lot of guns that show bang when his gun actually fires, it doesn't say bang. Like it's a real, it's a real gun, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I guess I didn't think twice in that. I was such a, was an amateur comic book reader, apparently. (laughs) You've um, grown. We've learned. I've, I've learned you, you can never stop learning. And I don't know in trying to read this story as is from beginning to end. Now, uh, I think Jeff Loeb worked really hard to throw in a lot of red herrings. Uh, he really tried to throw us off course that this uh, wasn't Tommy Elliot. I don't know how uh, how how many people were actually like duped by this. I, I I just I can't remember. I'm not saying that I wasn't duped. I bet I was. I was. Like, I have no idea who this who the killer is. Uh, but I can say. I mean, we're coming. We're going straight to the main event here. I don't think. 
the the reasoning for Tommy Elliot and Hush snaps together as well as I'd like it to. I I think a part I think a big part of that and, and uh-huh. is because of how many misdirects we get in this book. I think okay. I think that the idea that we at one point we it, we it, it's Harvey and another point we think it's Jason Todd and another point we get a reveal that, oh, it's the Riddler behind the scenes at that point. You know, there's so many different. Like you said, either red, I wouldn't get red herrings or just misdirects that it's hard. I could have I think it all in a sense works, but it, I think. For someone coming into this, wait a minute, where did they go? Wait, wait, huh? You know, Mm -hmm. I can totally buy the confusion, but being someone that, you know, now even even more just kind of expects kind of these turns, I kind of headcan it in my head. So there's this, this and this. But for someone who's trying to first read this and those turns keep on coming, you almost got to be a real fan of like mystery novels to say, okay, I can kind of go through this, but if you're not necessarily a fan of that and, and these can come out of nowhere and it doesn't, it kind of, like you said, it just kind of seems a bit jumbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, so I didn't have this like, oh my gosh, moments um, for the reveal because it would have been, I think maybe a little bit more of that is because he doesn't even say I'm Thomas Elliot. Uh, he doesn't undo the bandages to reveal his face either. So leaving it a little mystery still um, where Bruce is having to figure out, uh, sorry, Batman's having to figure out while fighting him. Okay. The, this guy is quoting Aristotle. This guy is alluding to this, alluding to that. There's no way that that's Tommy. And yet it like, so it leaves it a little open-ended, which that's fine. I'm just saying there's, there's, there wasn't like the aha moments. Like if Harold had been shot, you know, in the head, Batman turns around and there's hush and he just takes off the bandages and it's Tommy. Then it'd be like, what the hell? What? How? But it's almost like we aren't, we aren't given that. It's like a, a little peeled layer, a little peeled layer. And then the Riddler goes and explains everything. And to me, it's almost like, I, I don't know. It, it seems almost a little unfulfilling because I was a little confused. And then Batman goes to Arkham and I'm like, Oh, there's this long explanation. Awesome. Because sometimes that's really cool, too, of just dialogue. Dialogue can really snap together and be mm-hmm. like, oh, aha, aha, aha. And as the Riddler's kind of laying some stuff out and connecting the dots. And then when it comes to Tommy, it's just like, yeah, he was, I mean, we've never heard of him before, right? But man, he had it out for you, Bruce. He was jealous. He had a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, what else? Oh, that's kind of it? Well, eh. Okay. And well, and he's also like, it, it's, well. I, I, he's also definitely a, <laughs> a kind of a sociopath too, because uh, he cut the brake yeah. lines to his own parents' thing, wanting them dead, and he blames Bruce's father for saving one of his parents, and it's just like, ooh, man, you got bigger <laughs> issues, bud. Yeah, and I, I don't know. That's it. Left me like a little like, eh, okay. Not dumping on the story. It did not ruin the story for me. And then I actually think the, uh, I never got to read Hush Returns and by AJ Lieberman, which is in the Gotham Knights title, I think. Um, I'd never read that, but I did read Paul Dini's Heart of Hush. 
And I think... Oh, so good. So good. Oh, my gosh. Like, I think almost this might be the more entertaining story, but Heart of Hush, I think, might be the better story. Like, I will pick this one up and read it five times, and then I'll read Heart of Hush, like, twice. You know, it's almost like certain movies that you like. I'm like, well, this one's just a lot more fun and energetic and I can watch it more. But okay, now I'm in a mood. So I'll read, I'll do something that's better, but not, but like kind of uh, challenging or something, you know? And I think that Dini really peered back, peeled back some layers on, on Tommy that were just like really good and really dark and kind of twisted. And like, we got to see like kind of how depraved this guy, this guy is, you know? And we didn't get that in this story. Looking back, it's fine because we got a follow-up that really helped, you know, ex- uh, expand this character to where now we can kind of loop him all in together of like, he's, I mean, would you say he's an A-list villain now? I think, well, we really haven't seen him in, in you know, post-rebirth. And we haven't even seen him in rebirth in, in a way, mm-hmm. I don't believe. So I'm not not recalling anything. Yeah, no. I don't think we have seen Hush, you know, rebirth and post rebirth. So I'm not sure. And uh, you know, after Death Metal, maybe future state. Who knows? But we we yeah he we have not seen this character come back. And the only time now we have seen it is in Batwoman. And who knows where that's mm-hmm. going now? With yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think they're completely scrapping it, but it definitely brings some new dynamic into it. But. But, That's a but, challenge for the writers. <laughs> so, so to say, I don't. I think he is. I I don't know if I'd say he's a list, but he's definitely he's definitely top tier B, like a B plus, leaning towards a minus. Um, yeah, and, I'd agree with and, that. and the and the only reason I say that is just because they use him very carefully, mm-hmm. and, and I like that. I just don't. Me too. Uh, and 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 I that's and that's the only reason I kind of keep him out of the full A list is just because he's used so he's used very carefully and sparingly to not turn him into a parody of himself. Yep. Yeah, I agree. The because I mean, by now I think we've gotten enough of the backstory of him. It's not about his past mm-hmm. and figuring out who he is. It's just like, okay, what's he up to next? And so if you do that too many times, it can seem annoying, but you use them sparing. It's like, oh, damn, Hush is here. What, what? Uh-oh, here we go. Strap in, people. But I think for this story, I really like the – sometimes it can be done really well, and Jeff Loeb is a, is a really good writer. And his – just bringing somebody from Bruce's past and knowing of, like, pre – um, pre-tragedy, he had a friend and it was this guy. And then sometimes how he talks to Tommy, Tommy is kind of like, he's kind of a little shit as a kid, but it, it, there's something that's kind of fun about that of like, like he even comments of like, nobody talked to my dad the way that Tommy did, but not like, how dare he? It was just like, that's what made him stand out. It was, yeah. I don't know. There's just like little charming bits like that. And then when Tommy's first appearance in the story coming into the operating room and how he's like, he's charismatic. And I mean, it's just like, it's a character you could have, like you could root for if he didn't have the, the turn that he did. So I think he's a good addition to the Batman um, mythos and yeah, we'll see what, and it makes it, (laughs) it definitely makes it, it's probably one of his most personal villains. Literally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yep. Absolutely. So now that we got the big gun out of the way, let's talk about every, I think that's like my only, if you want to go negative. And that was something that I was like, man, I'm going to, I don't know when we'll bring this up, but I got to talk about the ending doesn't snap together perfectly for me. Everything uh, and I else would agree with that. is, everything else is like, well, thank you. A like kind of a home run, a triple at worst. I mean, the, the rogues gallery, the way that they've managed to, to bring in everybody the way that they did. I mean, and it kind of all connects. I mean, what, like, and that, I don't and know. That, <sighs> de- definitely with, with that idea of the villain, it's just the manipulation of how each one of them was being used. And it was, it was for a different purpose. Yeah. It, and it, I appreciate that part with the dialogue at the end with Riddler. Cause he's connecting those pieces of, you're like, okay, so we're starting out with killer croc and it's almost like a handoff of Killer Croc, then Catwoman, then Poison Ivy, then Superman, then Harley Quinn, then Joker. Then I know I'm missing somebody there. Maybe it was Riddler, then Roz Ghul. Yeah, and you got Huntress, technically. <clears throat> Huntress, technically, and then Scarecrow pops in, and then Harold. It's, uh, Harold and Jason Todd. Oh, whoops, that's Clayface. Oh, wait, was it just Clayface or was it Jason Todd, too? That's interesting. We'll get to in a minute. And like this, and then, oh yeah, throw Harvey Dent in there because now he's not Two-Face. He's Harvey Dent now, but he's wearing stuff that makes him look like he could be Hush. Like Loeb just was given everything. And I think almost what's impressive now and looking back at it was that this was a, a 12 issue series in the monthly Batman title. Like you just, I just don't feel like you get the, the big blockbusters in the monthly title, you know, and especially now it's like, Oh, it's a, it's a black label series or launching in its own series or something. I think everything now is going to be black label. If it's a big blockbuster that it just doesn't run in those monthly titles. So I think that's even more impressive and how it was able to get, get out on release each month too. Like how impressive on all fronts. Oh yeah. And, and the fact that, this just kicked off, you know, Batman being popular, but this this brought him to the front of the line, rebrought him back to the front of the line with stories mm-hmm. after this. Like this was mm-hmm. the kick in the pants that DC needed something to get people to to fly these copies off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think what flies copies off the shelf is artwork. Mm-hmm. Then when people get into it, they can then like to me, that's it's almost like the art always sells the story first and then revisiting and word of mouth is reliant on story. So, I mean, Jeff Loeb at this point, like he had enough, he had enough work that his name carries, but definitely with like these covers by Jim Lee and then opening it to Jim Lee's artwork. I, when I'd first read it, maybe, maybe. I saw some similarities of like kind of looks like so-and-so from X-Men because in the nineties, I had very limited exposure outside of Batman stuff, but I am aware of Lee's X-Men characters and his drawings and stuff. But like, I hadn't heard of, I hadn't really heard of Jim Lee. Uh, and I know he was really heavily involved in wild storm. Um, but like, are you aware of like, did he have outside of, I guess, of X-Men? Were you aware of him before reading this? Oh, I mean, very much like X, yeah. you know, I, I was, I was big into the, the, 
you know, image and what they they kind of stood for at that point and, and what he did with Wildstorm and the different series he was on and just like Jim Lee's art is just you know it when you see it and it's just it's yep. always some of the most sought after artwork you could ever have. Mm-hmm. Like like my my one of my prized possessions is the the hero shot from six nineteen. And I have that in a framed poster, you know, that's just hanging amongst every, uh, like my many, many bookshelves of, of comics. Just that is, that is my favorite, favorite, just image of the bat family. Yeah. Um, we'll get to favorites, but let me tell you that that was a very difficult part for me. <laughs> As it oh, would be me, with anybody. Me, me like, too, hey, I've got many choices. <laughs> and I want to hear them all. You're not restricted to just one at the end. We can go through of, of all of them. Uh, we can touch on, since we're talking of Jim Lee, let's, let's talk about the covers here. How incredible are the covers? So also, I love that the cover promises what you're going to get in the issue in the fact that it's not, um, it's not Andy Hubert drawing the cover, but then Jim Lee on the inside or, you know, or, uh, flip flopped. It's no Jim Lee covers with Jim Lee interiors, and I understand. I do. I understand why uh, that deviates more often than not now. Mm-hmm. But I always appreciate when the cover and interior art is by the same artist. Uh, do you have any covers that really stand out for you, like this cover? Yeah, I've my my top three, and we wanted to put them in. Any, I guess, uh, I'd say issue one, um, mm-hmm. the first issue, 608, just, it's so cool seeing Batman in that action shot and <laughs> those boots, those yep. amazing, I'm going to whoop your butt boots that he created. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Lee always comments too, that people made such a big deal because he, he gave such detail to boots and it's almost like, I guess I'll be known for my boot drawings. I yep. don't know. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Um, uh, six fifteen because I'm a huge Dick Grayson Nightwing fan, and seeing those two on the same cover with just them running to action, love it. And then, like I said, my my all time is the not the red background, but the the original, um, you know, normal skyline at that point with the hero shot. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that just that is lee if if i had to put something in someone's hands of what is there are two things i'll put in your hands about jim lee x-men number one batman 619 this is art (laughs) this is artwork that you respect and you just gush over Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i don't think that there is necessarily like a there's not a weak cover in the bunch oh absolutely one for me and i mean even some of the later released so the um the image that's like half batman half hush and um the villains on the right side bruce and tommy are on the left that that um later cover that was for trades that's an awesome cover uh but mine mine is for um 613 okay that's the the opera house issue because there's something that's just very classic about it. And what do I want to say? 
that's classic and maybe like kind of classy. And by classy is that looking at it, it's like, oh, that's Greek tragedy. Oh, that's like that's fitting for Batman on many levels because of uh the artists and uh, the talent, but working on Batman, a lot of times they're, they can be really inspired by Greek tragedy. And in mm-hmm. this image too, of, <clears throat> I mean, just looking at it, the, it can evoke like you, cr- your imagination creating a story. And I just like, it's how appropriate that this was the first, the first chapter of hush that I read too. Cause this is where volume two kicked off. So it's just, that's just kind of the impression that it made on me from the get go. But I love the, I don't remember reading it before I had to, because I read this book cover to cover the absolute edition, but the cover to six eleven that's Batman wing spread and mm-hmm. uh, Catwoman. <clears throat> the fact of turn it to the left and it's the Ivy says poison Ivy. You turn it to the right. The Ivy says Superman. And I'm like, I don't remember <laughs> ever reading that before. That's so nerdy. But oh my gosh, Chris, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like that. That's just like that's cool and nerdy. But yeah, there's the covers are I don't know, the astounding. Um, in all the right ways. Um let's dip into now. Let's move right along. Funny that you brought up the Tom King run, because that's about Batcat. I always say, uh, Hush did it first. The, well, the love story well, do, in this. Well, I don't want to say that Hush did it well, not, first okay. necessarily, but I exactly. get what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, okay. I, I follow you. I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't want to be okay. like, well, technically. <laughs> uh, actually, Ryan, you don't know what you're talking about. And you have a podcast. <laughs> I thought you were a fan. Uh, Hush did it before and did it well. I like the... I mean, the a lot of exposure to their relationship between Batman and Catwoman are, you know, the the one-off issues. And like, uh-oh, they're kind of flirty and they're fighting. And then, up, oh, that's it. And even Batman the Animated Series, it's not like it was a long story that, you know, woven their relationship. It was like they were standalone, you know. Um, and this actually had one of, for 12 issues, where we're kind of getting a buildup of this relationship as well as a reveal. And... I think it's something that a lot of us fans, we, I, I can only speak for myself that I wanted to see of like, ah, of course they make sense together. Just let it be together, you know, sort of deal. And I, I like the up and down and that this story goes and he, him bringing her back to the, the cave and just kind of like their alliance and ultimately ends in rightfully. So the only way that it kind of can, that they're, not working out because Batman has trust issues, but he has valid reasons for those trust issues. <laughs> and it doesn't help that she says hush, like right at the end either. It's like, well, yeah, that makes total sense that now he's like, uh, hold on a second. I don't, I'm not letting my guard down again. Yeah. It's, it's, he's more, uh, obviously he's got more than just trust issues. I mean, he's, he yeah. is damaged in many different yeah. ways. And, that's always the question, and I, I'll, I'll, I think, you know, I go back to Batman Begins and and what, you know, Katie Holmes's character says in terms of like, you know, this isn't this isn't you, you know, this is this is the mask, you know, yeah. the 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 boy I knew disappeared a long time ago and never mm-hmm. came back, and, and so that is he can't 
it's just one of those things like it's very hard for me to ever see not saying I don't want him to be happy. It's just it's it's a lot that will have to fundamentally change about his own psyche for him to accept he doesn't have to do this. There are other ways. Yeah. And I mean, it's weird and how it's something that's so much like this should work, but yeah, we kind of understand why it doesn't work. And I love the, the interlude chapter. Like there's something, yes, it's, it's dialogue, but it's just the, the conversation between Catwoman and Alfred and how Alfred's like, you know, how she's like, you don't think much of me, do you? And he says, on the contrary, I think the world of you and, and like how, uh, I don't know his exact words, but like how big it was of Batman to let her in the cave and come in the mm-hmm. cave and work as an ally and stuff. I just think that's a really cool, cool moment and a big, like a big step in the relationship between the two characters. So uh, that's just like a, that's a little highlight, but. Oh yeah. And, and I think, you know, even prior to this, and this really brings it out that Catwoman is not, the villain and I think it's been a long time that to ever think Catwoman has ever been thought to be a villain in recent memory you know mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and it, like I said it's even happened before that but this really even more kickstarted it in my opinion to say he really loves and cares for her it's very very evident about that that mm-hmm. he they he wants to see a future but there's his own his own mission, his own promise is it mm-hmm. won't let him be happy. Yeah. It let, that, him ha- that, it, let, it let him have moments, but won't let yeah. him forever be happy. Yep. And so the consequence of that is sorry, Selena, she's off on her own again. So we're almost back. We end almost where we started, except now that she knows who the man is behind the mask. And I love Which- I love how that happened. Go ahead. I, that that's one yeah. that's one of my it's on my list of favorite panels. Mm-hmm. It, it is the revelation and the shock that I, it was almost one of those things like I always thought she figured it out. Yeah. Some part of me always thought that she knew. And sometimes it's kind of like how would she not know? <laughs> well, it's kind of like that's how what we I think all... <laughs> some of these stories. It's like how do, how do you not know? But I mean. I don't know. A lot of us, we think we know some people close to us and then there's some kind of revelations like, oh, damn, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, it's almost like people say, oh, my God, the the Pulitzer Prize winner can't figure out that Clark can is Superman. And I, my explanation behind that and you call it headcanon, call it whatever you want about it. It's just like you won't you can't your own mind won't let you accept what's right in front of you. Like that's it's true. just yep. it's it, you've rat you've un you've rationalized it so much in your head's like no that's just not, that can't be that's not possible and it just prevents you from seeing the obvious and that's what makes the that's what makes it so interesting that kind of relationship is like how did you not know it and she hates herself for not figuring out sooner it's like I'm better than this you are but your own mind wouldn't let you yeah that's a good point oh, you're so smart you're so wise. <laughs> See, I'm still learning. Still I, learning. I, I, I spend a lot of time digging into this. And, you know, I <laughs> thankfully I have a wife that listens to me and just says, yep, I'm sure that makes sense. So she humors me at that point. But that's why I do podcasts and have all you all friends so I can geek out with. 
Exactly. And sometimes the, especially this year, the fiance and I have gone on a lot of walks like in our neighborhood and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm like, strap in this, this walk is nerd talk. And she's like, okay. You know, and she just lets me air it out. And I'm like, okay, so now that you heard that, what do you think? And you know, it's like, okay, yeah, that's fun. Ryan, don't you have a nerd you can go talk to about? No, I'm kidding. She's, she's fine with it. Um, Let's talk about some other quickly, some other characters that get highlights. So you're a Dick Grayson fan. We got some Dick Grayson in here. I think there is a line in here that I absolutely love. And it is Dick always spoke to me without fear, no matter what else has happened to us through the years, he has earned that right. That's almost like a, it kind of gives me the same feels of like when Alfred says to Selena of like, on the contrary, I actually think the world of you, there's just some kind of, it's, it's a, it's a way of saying like the show, the appreciation and respect between characters without saying, I appreciate you. I respect you. It's, it's has dual meanings, I guess, in a way. And I just really, I really like that. And Dick Grayson ever loyal, even though they clash, they've clashed with their ideals before. It's like ever loyal. And I just love that. And I think of all the Robins, Dick is the one, and one could say, well, he was the first. Mm-hmm. He is the one Bruce hates to disappoint. He'll never, you can see it. He won't necessarily admit it, but that's the one that frustrates him most if he ever disappoints Dick. Mm-hmm. Because he knows Dick is in so many ways and has been the heir apparent to the cow. Mm-hmm. And. And so that's why I think that each one of the Robins has such a different relationship with him, but Dick is Dick is his for his first, the one that can call him out and has called him out. And they are out of all of them. They are the true father and son. Yeah. Yep. And another Robin we get, we get some Tim Drake representation here and Batman's comments about how, well, I like that scene. And I mean, that one, I do remember being like a surprise when Selena leaves and Tim's like, do you think she bought it? And like their whole little setup there was, I think kind of fun. And I'm like, Oh, Bruce, you naughty boy. But when Bruce says in like, his in, in his uh, interior monologues about how <clears throat> Tim, I have to hand it to the boy. He wants to be the world's greatest detective. And from what I've seen so far, he will someday, he will be someday. That's like, I mean, it fits right into the line I just said about Batman and Dick and then Alfred and Selena. There's a mutual like a respect there for other characters. Then it's just ones that us fans are like, yep, I don't disagree with that. And, and Tim was Tim was my I mean, I was been into, you know, Batman for a while, but I didn't grow up with Dick Grayson. I mm-hmm. I grew up with Tim Drake. So Tim Drake is always if I want to say who my Robin I grew up with, it's Tim Drake. And I, I think it's always going to be between Tim Drake and Dick Grayson for me. And it's hard yeah. for me to choose which one because they're both amazing in their own ways. And they bring so much to the mm-hmm. table in every Robin. And I can't say it enough. And I covered it in my show. If you have not read Batman and Robin Eternal, that book, that series will show you why Robin is so essential to the bat to Batman and what each I know one that of was half the, that was half the size as Batman eternal. Uh, yes. but I liked Batman and Robin eternal more than Batman eternal. The story was a little more focused. I think it had a lot 
better. It was just written better. It was plotted out better. Uh, I thought that was a really good, a really good miniseries. So I agree completely. Not miniseries. What am I talking about? It's 26 issues. Uh, <laughs> that series. Yes. That title. Uh, I'll touch on some others. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Leslie Tompkins pops in really quick. That's fine. I think Barbara Gordon as Oracle. She's essential, though she doesn't have like a ton of scenes of uh, between the two. She's very essential. I'm always a Barbara Gordon fan. Uh, the the trip to Metropolis that was fun. Yeah, I I, th- I think you know again it's just when you bring in all these different characters to this in a way it was almost like we're going to do a tour de force through not just Gotham and the Rogues. We're going to bring in Superman and Lois and. and Mm-hmm. it's it was good to see how all if you wanted the again that's why so many people go to this book and hand this book to so many people said read this you get everything of batman in in, in these in this many issues you can't get mm-hmm. that too many other places nope i agree and it was kind of funny for me when and picking up and reading when i finally did get the first volume and they went to metropolis the because I, I was from a small town, didn't have the racks, the spinner racks, didn't have a comic shop. So there was no way I had to wait for trades and hope that I would go somewhere that would have trades. But when, you know, Bruce shows up and that he owns the Daily Planet, I'm like, what the hell? When did that happen? Bruce owns the Daily Planet? Has this always been true? We didn't have the entire history of of Bruce Wayne at our fingertips like we do now. So it was such a like, what? And then what? Lex Luthor's president? what is going on here? <laughs> Am I really a fan? Has it always been this way? Uh, but I think those are fun action beats. Um, I'll say it of, I remember distinctly. It was not me taking this from another Batman podcast, Holy Batcast, Andy DiGenova. He, he brought up, I remember um, it stuck so vividly out in my mind of the line that Loeb writes of Superman, deep down Superman or Clark is a, good person and deep down i'm not and they mentioned how he didn't like that line and i remember i didn't like that line when i read it because i just didn't think it i'm just like i don't think the batman would say he's not a good person he also is a good person like he just well, has an attitude <laughs> well uh, let me put some a, a different kind of spin on that i Do don't I don't think when Bruce says, in in my eyes, when he says, and I'm not a good person, when you're comparing yourself to the biggest Boy Scout in the DC universe, everyone's going to look worse than him in one way, shape, or form. You it, you can't compare, even though, yes, I know Superman can be can be a big jerk sometimes and, and things like that, but it, it, on its on the surface, it's Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman is is as cliche as it sounds, is yin to his yang. I don't think he considered himself a bad person, an evil person. He's different. He's not Superman. And I think that's the one thing like when I'm not, I, I, I equate him to saying that I'm not Clark. I'm not Superman. I don't always, I can't, I don't have the ability because of my life to see the best in people. I wasn't raised like that. I didn't have Clark's life to see that. I envy him for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can understand why on on the surface of that statement, yeah, it kind of it, it definitely would rub many people the wrong way. But if you 
I would say take a step back and think of it like that. It, it, there's more depth than just saying I'm not a good person. I will keep that in mind every future read of this that I have. Instead of being, I'm going to read it exactly like it's read. I'm like, nope, Chris told me this oh. is how it's meant. And I, it will help. It will help stick in my mind that way. That's how I'll interpret it because I just, I don't know. I don't like Batman saying he's not good. Like, because I'm like, that's BS. You are too good. Oh, Bruce, he's having a downer of a day. But no, I get what you're saying. That makes that makes sense, too. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go with that route. Chris, <laughs> call me the poly. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's the history teacher in me that uh, there you go. That, that doesn't that doesn't die just because I'm a school administrator. Now it doesn't die. I'll, I'll analyze something to death to see to see exactly what the true meaning is of it. Come on, kids. Gather around. Uncle Chris is going to tell you the true meaning behind <laughs> <laughs> moments of Batman history. Uh, I do like that the end to the the camaraderie between Superman and Batman in the cave. Um, that's also a cool scene. I think people like seeing uh, in some forms of like the two titans of DC Comics being bros, you know, but not just like, hey, man, awesome. How you doing? It's like speaking. um with merit, like with purpose and with meaning mm-hmm. and the, tr- the trust shown between the two. And I really like that. And I like how in the, in the introduction conversation between Loeb and Lee and how they said that Loeb wanted to end the book with Batman and Superman to lead into him, to, you know, launching his series of the Superman Batman. And they really pushed of like, no, 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 let's, this book's been about Batman and Catwoman. We need to end it on that. And so I, I really think that was a good idea. Uh, oh, I thought that, I thought that was, that was more so. perfect bookend. Yeah, absolutely. Because it kind of ends in a little bit of almost like a tragedy in a way. Of, mm-hmm. But it's like it's it's more powerful than just, all right, let's do this. World's finest. Let's true believers. But I'm Let's save the world. Uh, yeah, they I approve of that decision. So whoever nudged them in that direction. Um, I hope they listen to this because we are eternally grateful. One of the things I want to, I want to point out is, yeah. you know, it, it, some of the, some, some getting to like some favorite panels. One of, uh, uh, one of my first ones that I, I really enjoyed was issue six eleven, um, pages five and six looking at, um, you know, uh, back into whenever they were, he was reflecting back on the past between him and Tommy Elliott. I love yeah. the art style. And mm-hmm. I love like this scene. We see Alan Scott as, as Green Lantern yes. fighting. Fighting. I, I thought that was just such a cool, cool sequence. Yeah, I love the watercolor, um, the way that Lee did that. He did it for the book that took forever to get out, Batman Europa. The first issue. There's four issues. I don't know if you've read it. Each issue was a different artist, which was too bad because the first issue was Jim Lee. So it's kind of like. Anything that came after, it's like, oh, come on, where's the... Uh, <laughs> Why bother? But he, yeah, exactly. And the story was okay, but the art was a little distracting. But he did some he did some art. Like, it was watercolor, basically, but painted also. Uh, and, it, like, it definitely reminded me of this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I love this whole flashback. Their way of setting, setting that up and how... Um, they're inspired by how sale did it for 
the long Halloween. Everything comes back to the long Halloween. <laughs> well, um, it, you know, especially when we go to, you know, when he's having that fight in, um, you know, 614 in the back alley, you know, mm-hmm. and just as with, between Joker and stuff like that, he reflects on Barbara and his regrets with that and seeing the different sequences of, 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 you know, the killing joke and then reflecting on Jason. And that's not a subtle hint of things to come. And then, you know, when he, he has to take down Catwoman at that point saying she has no idea that this is my fear that I'm going to be holding her in my arms as Jokers mm-hmm. killed her. Yeah. It, it, though that was just such an interesting way of getting an internal view of what Bruce is dealing with without with changing the art style. And it's so jarring in a good in a, in a very mm-hmm. emotional way. Yeah. It works really well. And you just mentioned Jason. I didn't even come back to that of retro retroactively changing what actually happened in Hush. It works. I don't know that if I had to, if I was told you have to choose um, how Hush was just, it was completely Clayface or if I like this story now that at some point Clayface and Jason Todd switched. Uh, I don't know what, if you have any thoughts to share about that. It's well, I mean, we get a couple of them. We get, we get not just Jason Todd. We get the idea of like Harvey Dent and Harvey. Oh yeah. Being Harvey. You know, the mm-hmm. re- you know we get that double, like that half and half page of what we think is Hush. And it's, we think Hush is at that point revealed to be Harvey Dent. And at the same time, Bruce is revealing himself to, there's <laughs> a double pun in there. Gosh darn it. <laughs> revealing himself to <laughs> Catwoman. Um, it, it's, it, it's very interesting, the, the idea of like Harvey coming out of nowhere. And that mm-hmm. he, how he's involved, like, wait a minute, is he hush? And then we see, like, you know, we get that the, the issue before, it, you know, him flipping the coin as hush at that point. Oh my gosh, oh, I figured it out. And then not really. But yeah. the, the idea of bringing Jason into this, at least Jason Clayface, is, you know, J Face. Uh, yeah, J Face. <laughs> Tommy knowing the history, knowing who he is, and knowing how to pull and just make Bruce go crazy. And that it massively backfires because he's eight Bruce throughout the entire fight is rationally. This can't be him. There's something I'm missing. He's got the move, but, but there's something not right about this. Obviously outside of the fact that there's the, <laughs> my, my dead partner's back from the grave, put that to yeah. the side. <laughs> there's something else wrong <laughs> with this. And, and the fact that he calls him out, he said he would never, you know, he, he would never call like <laughs> Tim, the pretender. Mm-hmm. You know, he, yep. he, and was it like the other line was like, you know, he didn't call me Bruce or something like that. You know? Yeah. I can't remember. Never uh, referred to like specifics of he, he never called me Bruce and pretender and stuff. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't, I don't like retroactively of like, Oh, I got to make sure I change the past because, because then it's just like, that wasn't your vision. That's not, but I think they kind of, tiptoed around it enough here to me it kind of does work if that's the route i want to go with the story this time in reading i don't think about jason todd popping up later i read it as this is one story 12 issues hush it's contained let's leave it like that so yeah i um, i I made a mistake it wasn't like he didn't call him bruce as he he says like it's clay face melting ways i want to be the love i wanted 
to be loved Batman is that that was the mistake you made. Even in the end, Jason knew how much I loved him and I would never forget him and haven't ever forgotten him. Chris, I trusted you. I know. I'm sorry. Come on. (laughs) I can't. I know. Who do you think you are? (laughs) But, but it's, you know, and I, it's one of those, like, I can totally understand like saying that he should have stayed dead and, you know, the actual Mm -hmm. (laughs) rising of Jason with, you know, punching of, Walls, (laughs) Walls, <laughs> mm-hmm. leave it at that, raises the dead at that point. Mm-hmm. I think the payoff of Jason coming back, it, it, not in this one, but when he does in another favorite storyline under the Red Hood. Yeah. I think the payoff was so much more than the joke of how he did come back. Yeah. You know? I'm with it, you. Mm-hmm. I, I think because I was one in those camp, in that camp of it's almost like he served a better purpose dead than alive because of what it, the toll it took on Batman and stuff from how, how they've gone back to that, that well and pulled and it works. However, we got, like you said, under, under the red hood, the animated movie is my favorite Batman DC animated movie uh, of the, of like the DCAU, you mm-hmm. know, since oh, the, yeah. Bruce Tim started it. Um, that's my favorite of those. And that story is really, really well. I really like what uh, Jeff Johns, Jason Fabic did with, did with him in three jokers, you know? So it's kind of like, it's not and, like and, and he that's... came back and it's, it's like, there's glimmers of like, Oh, I really like what happened here. I like what happened here. But then there's also like, yeah, but otherwise, well now what do what do we do with them? And those are kind of some low points. So he's, his use is wavy also. Yeah. And, and I think like people say, oh, well, it makes his death meaningless. I said, no, I think the fact that he's come back is even more ways on Bruce every single time mm-hmm. because he views what's happened with Jason as his own failure of how he turned out. Mm-hmm. And, and to your point, you know, going into the three Jokers, that reveal, you know, I wouldn't call it a huge spoiler if you haven't read it, but the scene between him and Barbara, you know, Barbara saying, I, what is it she says to him that, you know, I, I'm so sorry that we didn't, you know, check on you how you were OK when you did come back, you know, yeah. like and he says, like, no one has said that to me. And I don't think it would have totally changed him further. Oh, someone finally cares at that point. But Bruce is not usually and not at all built like that, but it he's he beats it. He continues to say, even though he's alive there might've been a chance if I had only done this differently, that might've not happened. I could have saved him in a different way. So I don't think mm-hmm. his death is now meaningless. I think it weighs even more on Bruce. And used in this story, it was used very well because his mind was kind of distracted while fighting him too. And I love the moments between Catwoman and, and Robin this too, of like, of Robin kind of be like, you know, no, he needs to do this for himself. And she's like, I'm worried what he's going to do when he finds out that that's not Jay, that that's not the real, uh, Robin. Yeah. I don't know if she said Jason Todd or not, but I think that's, I don't know. It's used effectively here on, on different layers. So that's, and, and it's a good and, inclusion too. And I like the ambiguity of it in hush. Like is, mm-hmm is Jason back? Is he not back? You know, I, I like that we don't have those answers and, and I know we brought it up earlier, but just the revelation of who, who is behind the scenes is the Riddler. I think that was a very 
very interesting pull. And the more I read it, read the series over and over again, I said, I, I grew to like it more. I like the, so that the, all the other cover of 619 of, you know, Riddler and his chess pieces. That's so fitting for Riddler. So again, when I, you know, a long time ago, when I'd mentioned of it doesn't snap together for me, none of that is on the fact of the Riddler. I think having him, so the story is Batman Hush, but then it's like, but one step further is actually Riddler controlling Hush. Like, I think I'm like, oh, that's so fitting. That's brilliant. And also, I don't think that we have enough like definitive Riddler stories. Not that this is a definitive Riddler story. We just don't get enough Riddler. He's a... He's an A-lister for sure. We just don't get enough stories with him for some reason. So that was a that was a fun surprise. And I I enjoy, though my criticisms of the content in the dialogue, I love those pages of Batman and Riddler um, just going back and forth there at the end. Yeah, and I love the line saying, you may know, basically, you may know who I am. You're not going to tell anyone. Because, Genius. Because because a riddle that everyone already knows the answer to. Where's the fun of that? Exactly. Oh my gosh, I love that. And that was I like that was like ex- okay, mic drop. He wins. He riddle Riddler thought he had him out of everything, and all he had to do was utter those few lines. It's like, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and that's stuck in my mind ever since I read that. Like I I seriously like now I do think of like that'll randomly pop into in related to other things of. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just such a good moment. Such a good moment. And I love when he, when he also says about like, um, you won't tell anybody because of that. And then also kind of like, well, Ra's al Ghul is still looking for whoever used his Lazarus pit. And it's like, Oh, I'm like, ah, that's such a cool moment too. Bruce is kind of like, I'm not going to, not going to tell, but I mean, I've got that plan sitting in the back of my, my mind as Batman always does. He's got a couple plans in his head. (laughs) Always, always planning. Always, always. So let's let's shoot now toward uh, our favorite section, the most challenging section of all of this. Chris, what is your favorite part? We'll go part first of Batman Hutch. Oh, favorite part. Um, hmm. I would. Ooh. I know. It's, it's a, there's a lot of choices. I would say, and again, there's this there there are a lot. I would say the the conversations that he, in the cave between Dick and Batman, mm. you know that the, that nice. moment uh, of you know kind of you know he goes you know Bruce without sounding trite, whatever your impulse was, you didn't act. Whoever is doing this to you, you'll you'll get them and. You know, he's he's his confidence. He's trying to give him that confidence uh, of saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 tr- I trust you in that sense. Dick Grayson Batman moments. Um, there are never too many. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, but- even if you know, pick your action sequence and it was pretty much probably yeah. on my list, too. <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to be that like obvious in that sense. <laughs> No, and because I'm with you, and just for the sake of, you'll have multiple picks for panels. I have multiple picks for parts. I love the opera scene for the reasons that I said I love the opera or the the cover of that issue. 
Um, same thing applies to why that's my favorite part. I think it's classic. I think it's um, classy in the sense of, well, yeah, Bruce Wayne always gets up at some point, like in it, he's always at some event masquerade, you know, and then he's always like, it just seems like he's always in a show like this in an opera house or something like that. Uh, that's a cool scene for me. And then also, like I said, the, the interlude. I really like for the smaller, more emotional moment between Alfred and Catwoman, because even though Bruce, yes, he's in it, but the highlight for me of that is between Alfred and Selena. It's like, but it's about Batman. So I, I really like that dynamic and how that plays out. Yeah. No, I think that's that great. Also no wrong answer. <laughs> no no wrong not. answer. Uh, favorite panels. Uh, yeah, I, I know ta- you got more than one. <laughs> yep, I kind of talked about you know my 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 first one with the the going a couple of them already with six eleven and the the watercolors with Alan seeing the the back history with Alan Scott and, and going back in time and then um, six fourteen the the panels that in the back alley that he's remembering all his failures amongst his team mm-hmm. um, also in the watercolors um, six fifteen the the big shot of all the batmobiles so many easter eggs yes. <laughs> yep um and then i'm trying to pull these up on my ipad to quickly get to them um oh 617 the big sh- the the shot where we get the revelation of supposedly who this hush is jason todd mm-hmm. holding tim drake at knife point Mm-hmm. Such such a a cool moment at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then um, six eighteen. Come on, load up. Gotta love when technology doesn't. Um, <laughs> uh, um, nineteen and and twenty. The revelations of of the betrayal of Harold. And mm. seeing Harold, it's not a it's not a splashy Jim Lee like my other ones have been, or the other artists doing the watercolors. It's just the shockingness that. Wait a minute, Harold's speaking. Harold's not deaf. <laughs> um, mm. uh, and then the the uh, the last panel on 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 twenty one and. Excuse me. On twenty of him getting shot, and then the last one is Hush in his very quiet tone, saying, "What is a friend? A a a, a single soul dwelling two body, dwelling two bodies, dwelling in two bodies." Yeah. So. Hmm. So yeah, those are mine. All right, that's a good list. That's a good list. Uh, mine's not that impressive, so maybe I should have gone for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know when you uh, said pick one, I was like, ah, it's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening, Ryan. I know it's uh, you said pick a panel, but no, it's fine. In a book like this, I, like I totally get that. I can't pick one. Mine is in no surprise in the opera issue, and it is the two-page spread of Harley shooting the gun at Batman as he's gliding down with his cape spread. I've said it on here before. And I know some people be like, oh, it's because Harley's butt's right there. It's like, no, it's not. It's because the image itself evokes like an like you can your imagination can create a story. 
like we've seen pictures drawn with Batman and stuff of like, Oh, I wonder, you know, how this played out and such. And I think every time I choose a favorite panel for this show is it's because that panel makes me think of like, I could just look at this and think what happened before what happened after. And for reasons I've said annoyingly now over and over again, of like with the opera house and the setting is kind of like, this is almost just like a classic, a classic feel for me. Um, it's a classic Batman feel. And then of course, Batman gliding with his cape spread. It's like, Oh my gosh. Then Harley Quinn's just awesome. And so it's, yeah, that panel, that spread, I should say is, I just, I really dig that spread. That's my favorite. It's not, I haven't ever come across anybody that says that's their favorite. And like, for the reasons you just said, there's definitely merit to there being many, many choices of favorites. Um, And you can't just limit one, but I went with that one. And then lastly, Chris Balga, before I let you go, (laughs) what did you think of the animated film? Um, if you followed my Twitter this summer or spring, I believe I was doing this. I was doing a big rewatch of, mm-hmm. um, inspired by, uh, our, our friends, Scott from DC film Squadcast. you know, when he was marching, doing a huge rewatch of all the animated films in, in chronological order to, um, apocalypse war, this Next to Bloodline, Wonder Woman Bloodlines were my least favorite of the animated movies. Um, okay. Um, it One big reason is Tommy Elliott is nothing in this movie. And that doesn't sit well with me. Um, I understand, you know, that... I think they could have done it and I just don't know, understand why they didn't try to do it. I, I, I just didn't like it. I, I, I okay. saw what they, I saw what they did with trying to kind of meld the Riddler and hush all into one, the kind of the revelation of the Riddler being the one pulling the strings and hush at the same time. I just, it didn't work as well as it did in the story. And I, yeah, I th- I think the only saving grace of it, I th- like the I think they did a good job capturing the relationship t- between Bruce and, and Selena. I think that was probably one of the only saving grace of the movie. But definitely at the bottom of my list for animated movies, I was I was quite disappointed. I liked it more on its first release than I just watched it the other day in preparation for this because I'm like I think I watched it once or twice right when it came out and I haven't revisited it. But I I don't mind the fact that it was a movie inspired by the book, not a straight up adaptation from the oh, beginning yeah. to mm-hmm. the end. Uh, but that was my biggest complaint or criticism was the fact of like, it, I don't want to say that they didn't, they didn't even try, but it's just like Tommy's introduced at the beginning and then he's hardly even referenced and then he's shot and killed. And it's just kind of like, okay, uh, where are they going with this? And it's like, nope, that's it. Almost like the the point of it was to, hey, our only goal is to get the audience that it's not going to be Tommy. And that's kind of how I felt the movie played out a little bit. Um, I thought that they expanded on the relationship between Batman and Catwoman pretty well. Uh, Jennifer Morrison, I don't have any problem with her, but I thought she was kind of flat speaking or uh, for the, as the voice of Selina. Uh, other other voice actors I thought were good. Uh, the reasoning of the Riddlers I thought was a little clunky 
his big explanation on him being hush. I, that didn't bother me like outside of Tommy wasn't present in the story. Um, it didn't bother me that he was ultimately hush. I just kind of thought reasoning didn't really add up. So it's kind of, I gave it a really positive review to at the, when it was first released, but you know, revisiting it, I'd have to go just down a little bit. And also it bugs the crap out of me for a book that is, regarded so highly regarded for its art and it was like more of the same yeah nothing animation wise was different and that really bugged me and it's like you guys did this with the dark knight returns and look at the great outcome of like you tried to stylize it different than what else was coming out around then you know and this is like well we've really got to make sure this fits into the line of movies that we've been doing even though it inserted one-offs throughout this whole run like, I don't know, that that part still kind of bugs me of like, it's more of the same instead of respecting the source material of being a visual standout. Mm-hmm. But and, and I'm not one that says, oh, it's got to be exactly the pan- panel screen. I, I, I love uh-huh. adaptations, and I think that's where things can really show some creative changes. And I'm fine with creative changes. It's just these creative changes just weren't for me. And Didn't that's OK, yeah. because I've got my well, story right next to me. Exactly. And that's kind of how I always view it too of like, Oh, if I didn't like it, I've got the original thing that I fell in love with right next to me. So the big challenge for that is coming next year with the long Halloween. We'll see. Ooh, buddy. We'll see if my, if, uh, (laughs) if I stand by that or, (laughs) or what, but I have multiple copies of that lovely story by me at all times. So that's, that's okay. Yes. But let's go ahead and let's wrap this puppy up. Uh, Chris, thank you. Again, for accepting the invite oh, and coming no, thank back you. on. How, let the uh, listeners know where they can find you and what you're up to. You're a busy man these days. Yeah, um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Balga. Um, my show, World's Finest True Believers, is on the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. I'm also the co-host on the network of Marvel Alliance, where we talk everything Marvel. Uh, that usually drops, World's Finest drops on Mondays. Um, Marvel Alliance will drop on Wednesdays. Uh, also do Super Civil Servants podcast, everything in the Weekend Geek. All the hosts of the network get together on Friday nights and talk about stuff. It, audio drop. We are live on Friday. Audio drops on Saturday. And yeah, so, you know, not totally taken up by podcasting, but, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. So yeah, if you want to find any and all shows, we cover everything you can cover in geek dc marvel power rangers star wars movies comics we've got you covered on so many different ends but yeah search for the geek ultimate alliance network on all your major major pod catchers you'll you'll definitely have to find something you're bound to listen to and if you want something uh message me (laughs) we've got it all covered but i'm sure we're missing something that's how you and i became uh acquaintances nerd friends all that yes. just you were just like hey if you want to be on if you want to talk nerd on my podcast just message me and i was like okay and then look at look what's happened just from that so exactly exactly thank you sir all right well i appreciate you coming on um if like i said at the top of the show anybody else if you want to stay up to date on upcoming episodes new episodes etc follow on twitter at the batman bc uh batman book club is also on instagram now what what um that's at the batman bc uh follow me on twitter at flower underscore ryan lower spelled like lower and like i said at the top of the show if you would ever be so kind you could spare 30 seconds 
If you wouldn't mind clicking on the link in the description of this episode, take you to the ratings and reviews of the show and just give a, a review. It could be one star. You know what? If you're being honest and you think this is that I'm just doing an awful job and I need to give this show to Chris because he's not busy enough. Just write that review. I'll read it and I'll let Chris know and give him the keys to the kingdom. No. So, no, no. I will. <laughs> I'm do- so much, so, so much time. <laughs> so much time. You're doing a great job. There, I will not take <laughs> well, away those you, keys. Well, bless you. Well, then, uh, please don't write a review saying that. But I will hush, but I'm chat now. And Chris, thank you again for coming back on. And for Chris Balga, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read more Batman comics. <laughs>